Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. It's time for the Jeremy Paul Show with your hosts, Mark Stafford and Jeremy Paul. Jeremy Paul Show. Oh, making his debut in the run home slot out of Australia, New Zealand's favourite wallaby with his Tokoroa roots, Jeremy Paul. Welcome in, Jeremy. Please let me introduce you to Stephen Donald. Oh. The beaver. Hey, Get on, boys. What, what a time slot to be on. And, mate, hey, beaver, did you like that intro? No, well, that's a real intro, isn't it? Well, now I know why you come on every week with Steph when you get that sort of carry on. <laughs> He's a paid I play that, man. That's like I walk into my bedroom and it plays. Like it just automatically plays. The Jeremy Paul Show. There it is. How are we, uh, boys? Oh, we're well. I mean, what are, you, what are you doing on a Friday afternoon? It's getting late in the piece now, wouldn't you? I thought you'd have clocked off and the last thing you'd be wanting to was be so analytical with a couple of real rugby journos here in New Zealand. Oh, bro, I didn't really get a choice. Staff just sort of said, mate, can you fill a different time slot? Of course I've slotted off work, mate. You don't work past three o'clock in Australia. But, um, mate, no, it's an absolute honour to be... Talking to everyone on their drive home, stuck in traffic. Um, yeah, been in Auckland at that time, and it's yeah, she's she's tight. She's a little bit like Sydney, that's for sure. And that's where you're based these days, mate. Mate, yeah, just up north on the central coast, actually, about an hour and a half north of Sydney, out of the traffic, up near the beaches. Um, mate, beautiful part of the world. Actually, that the cyclone hit us last night. Um, I just heard on the news that it might be coming over your way. It was pretty, pretty hectic. It was, it was full on. Power went out. Everything. It was crazy. So, hope you guys don't get it. You know, they're uh, they're all set for Sunday or Monday over here. What's uh, what are you up? Are you doing much with footy these days, mate? Or are you just parked up there, mate? No, I. When when you when you criticise rugby Australia too many times, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and you and your Nostradamus, Nostradamus, yeah, that's him. That's the that's same bloke, Nostradamus. Isn't it? Yeah, that that bloke too. <laughs> um, when you predict what's going to happen and you continually say it, they don't really like you too much. Um, so yeah, I, I dropped away from the rugby side, mate. Look, I, I had enough um, internal politics, um, administration issues. Um, yeah, and there's no pathways actually in Australia. That's look, it's not just for players, but for coaches, referees as well. Um, we're very limited in our options with respects to the coaching side of things because over in New Zealand, right? Like you, you could jump into the local, um, you know, competition here there in Auckland, and you've, you've probably got out of the 14 sides, you've probably got 11 that are that are competing and the coaches have probably done NPC as well, at least over five years worth of experience. Um, we don't have a national comp. We basically have our, our two premier grade competitions in Queensland and New South Wales. And that's it. 
Like so, we we're limited not just from a playing stock, but also a coaching stock. And and as I can see, there's there's a lot of lot of a uh, lot of chat going on in New Zealand about the All Blacks coach. So yeah. Ooh. Yeah, well, it's, it's only just been pushed uh, back to the front page since uh, your old mate Eddie showed up in Australia again, to be fair. Oh, and another beaver, mate. Another beaver. <laughs> but, well, his nickname, well, his middle name's Menzies. So there's a... Oh, is it? Uh, an old, yeah, there's an old prime minister here called Beaver Menzies. So he got nicknamed Beaver and... Oh, mate, look, it's it's the best thing that could have – it's actually one of the smartest things Rugby Australia have done for a long time, and I applaud the decision. It was – look, I, I felt for Dave Rennie. Dave Rennie has done an exceptional job. Um, unfortunately, his results – like, if he if he had, if he had gotten the results, they probably wouldn't have looked at the option, right? And someone like Eddie Jones would never have been available at that time. Like in nine months' time or ten months' time, if we continued on the same trajectory of our of our win loss record, then Dave Rennie was always probably going to end a, end his tender. So it was always a strategic decision to get Beaver in and and look Eddie Jones for me. It, look, it's not necessarily about the playing though. Like it's it's the relationships that he will be able to create internally. So. Look at the All Black system. Everything trickles down from the top down to the bottom, all the way down to grassroots rugby, like technically anyway, um, and the style of play. That doesn't happen. We're so disjointed in, in Australian rugby. We've got coaches on on different sort of pathways in terms of, of technical teaching, you know, scrum, line-out, tackle, um, the more the, the jackling side of things. It's it's all different. And so something someone like Eddie Jones will come in and, and he he's got to bring all the stakeholders together, and I think that's his that's his major role with this. Like his major role, um, of of course, is to win games. But I think if we can get everyone on the same page, that will make his job a hell of a lot easier. And mate, when you when you talk about your pathways and stuff, like I'm thinking back to you as great Brumbies crew of yesteryear and that, I can only think of. Uh, Old Bernie Larkin was the only one that's really gone down that path. And obviously you guys would have had a rather intelligent crew and you certainly played intelligent. There, there weren't any others that sort of went down the coaching route? Oh, look, there, there were a few. Owen Finnegan, uh, Billy Young. Um, I started to go down it as well, mate. But I, again, it was the pathways. Like you, you had to go overseas to to further your career. And that was always the difficult life situation, particularly with a young family, having just come off professional rugby for such a long time, and particularly playing in a time when there was no social media or, or camera phones, right? Like it was, it was arguably the greatest, the greatest generation of all time to play. I actually, people, people actually often say to me, mate, what was it like playing in your time? And I go, oh, look, it was like the 70s. And they still don't get it, right? Like, so I try to... I use this analogy like there's this there's this amazing um, uh, situation where Blockbuster, the CEO, had the opportunity to buy Netflix for ninety million dollars, and said no. And so, like, if you look at that situation and that CEO at the time, there's no way he could envision what the world was going to be like in a few years' time, and that's what it was like for us. Like we were blockbuster, basically. Like we didn't think that you would have this scrutiny and this and this social media or this outlet to be able to not only criticise but also obviously, you know, worship 
the rugby players as well or sports people. So, you know, that that's for me the we could never envision what the world was going to be like, like when we were playing. And I think that sort of showed on how we played as well. Like we were pretty fearless in how we played. And But from an intelligence point of view, yeah, it was always – that used to be all the cappuccino sets we used to have at the local uh, at the local restaurant. We'd have coffee every day. We'd be sitting there. There'd be Greggs, Stephen Larkham, Owen Finnegan, myself, Justin Harrison, and we'd be using salt and pepper shakers and going, well, man, if he if that Stephen Donald bloke runs there and you've got Dion Muir, yeah, Dion Muir out the back, Stephen Donald, he's got no pace, so he's got to pass it. So, um, and his and his big big Easy Tolomarco at the back, he's a bit slow. He won't get to that first breakdown. George Smith, you get onto that breakdown. So it was it was the old salt and pepper shakers, man. Like it really was. And it was something that because Canberra's also too, you've been there so many times, mate. Yeah. There's nothing to do there. Like there's nothing. Like I remember Tana Rumunga said to me, bro. Why is Canberra so boring? Like, that's just the way we like it, man. That's just the way. And there was nothing. It was conducive to play sport. So uh, that's where the camaraderie came from as well. I was going to say, talking about camaraderie and uh, and uh, probably happy that there was no social media and, and phones for the majority of it. I, I was lucky enough to cross over one of the boys you mentioned there and play a year with the great Georgie Smith at Suntory Vere a few years ago. One of the greats. Jorge, like the Spanish word for George. He was just, man, it was unbelievable. Like he, he couldn't do a beep test. Like it, we would giggle as soon as level eight would come up. Like you're still basically walking, jogging, right? Like, and you just see the head wobbles with, with Georgie Smith. Like, and you start seeing the body start moving. The, you'd be sweating profusely out. Like, and and around about eight and a half, like this is where eleven-year-old kids would average. He, he he would he would pull out like he literally was on a hundred thousand dollars a level. Like that's what he was. Like, he was he, his beep test was horrible, but his game sense, man. Like you just never played with a guy that like oh, I was like very incredibly fortunate to play with the players that players that I played with. Like it wasn't just some of the best for Australia, but some of the greatest of all time and. Yeah, I look at Georgie Smith and his game sense. Like, it was quite freakish. Like, you, 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 we would do our three-two-one. He won nine out of ten Brumbies Players Awards when I was there for ten years. And you, 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 on a Sunday, like you go for recovery, and they go oh, three-two-one, and you go Georgie Smith. Then you would review the video on Monday in a cassette player, mind you, and you'd review the video, and you just then you'd see all the little things he'd do, like. Like, you know, at the, at the back of the line out, he would just stand in front of someone so they, they would take an extra, like, couple of seconds to get to, to Stephen Larkham at 10, which would create the gap for Mark Gerard on the inside. Like, it's just, it was the little things, man, his attention to detail and his game sense was phenomenal. Like, and he was, he was made of plasticine as well, right? Like, his durability was incredible. Yeah. <laughs> One question, and again, on the social media thing, JP, and I'm going to la- allow you to do to use aliases and smoke and mirrors. Can you regale us with maybe a yarn you're pleased didn't make it to a camera phone or an Instagram or a Twitter story from your playing days that you think, geez, looking back. Oh, God. Well, okay, it's five o'clock, I suppose. I can tell the story. <laughs> well, look, I, I, used to, I, could, I can tell the story because my current wife, she was only nine at the time. <laughs> I'm, I'm, that's right, still a legend. Um, but, um, 
in the 99 World Cup, actually, when I was, I met this young lady. She's, she worked at a place that didn't wear much and <laughs> holes everywhere. But anyway, um, and so a lot of, a lot of rock stars used to go there. I was actually there one night when Prince walked in and shut down the whole club, you know, Prince, formal symbol, that, that bloke. He, mm. he walked in with this whole entourage and we got kicked out. Anyway, she's come back to Australia, hung out with me for a couple of months and, and we're sort of seeing each other. She goes back and I was like, oh, I don't know about this. Like, yeah, it was, it was a tough one. Anyway, she's rung me up one morning. She's had a few to drink and she goes, you wouldn't believe who was in tonight. And I go, oh, who was in? And she goes, oh, Leonardo DiCaprio and David Swimmer. And I go, oh, okay. Now we're talking Leonardo 2000. Yeah. Like we're talking Titanic hot. And, <laughs> and she goes, he asked me and three other girls to go back to his hotel room. And I was like, starters, who's that greedy? But anyway, <laughs> he, she goes, no, I can't. I've got a boyfriend back in Australia. And I went, Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Are you telling me I am better looking than the sexiest man in the world? Are you? And then I went, there's not a chance in the world I would have slept with him. So it's like, so that, it, that relationship ended pretty quickly. <laughs> oh, JP. Oh, JP, that is absolute gold. Yes, it is just after five here. But we do simulcast into Australia, I should warn you. <laughs> and we do podcast as well. <laughs> mate, I don't mind, mate. I'm an open book. I don't care anymore. I don't answer to anyone. So man, I'll say whatever I want. Uh, brilliant. Hey, JP, as always, fantastic to have you on the station. And your debut into the run home has been absolutely gold. Love listening to you and Beef have a chat. Enjoy your weekend, buddy, and we'll catch up again. Thanks, boys. Thanks, mate. Awesome. JP, the Jeremy Fulcher, absolute gold, isn't he, Beef? Oh, absolutely. And uh, those Brumbies teams Mm. he was a part of, they were another level. Did you play, like you played with George Smith, did you play against George Smith? Yeah, yeah. When you started, was that the end of Gregan Larkin, Finnegan and Harrison and all of that? Yep, yep. So definitely crossed over with Gregan and Larkin because that was, I guess that was... Absolute fantasy world stuff. Mm. Larkin was always the one that I rated as, you know, people say, oh, what's your toughest day out? It was being a young whippersnapper going up against a Larkin. And I remember playing them. You know, people, people often say, let's bring back daytime rugby. I can assure you, as a 21-year-old ending up in Canberra and going up against a backline that included Gregan, Larkin, Mortlock, Gato, Roth, Gerard, and Rathbone. I couldn't, care, I couldn't care two hoots about uh, daytime rugby. Quite frankly, I would have taken a 7.30 kickoff with uh, snow and hail coming in sideways because that's when they also had a Wallabies pack, including your, your Jeremy Paws and, uh, and and Smiths and what have you. And that's that was probably the day that you really felt inadequate. Uh, like... <laughs> As a 21-year-old, and these guys were just humming along. And it just, the amount of time that Larkham and Gregan played with, like, you were caught you were caught watching. Mm. It was just, it was a great education for me. I mean, admittedly at the time, trudging off uh, Bruce Stadium that day, like, wow, I'm a long way from this. I've had and, a clinic there. Yeah, and uh, and, and we, were, we were battling at the time as a, as a Chiefs team, and I just remember thinking, jeepers. 
Mm. I just want to go and be that guy now. Mm. And, uh, yeah, they, they were a pretty special team and they were at full cry. Mm. Fantastic, fantastic. And that was our Maccas feature interview of the day. And, gosh, well worth it. If you've just tuned in, go back and listen when that's podcast up in the next few minutes. Uh, Jeremy Paul, a great chat. Uh, you're on the run home with Staff and Beef today. Uh, a little bit different for us, and that is a big thanks to Mac Delivery. Uh, after this, Weather Watch. What's going to happen this weekend? How wet are we going to get, and do we have to get out the hammers and nails? Phil Duncan will join us after this.